Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You know what I was thinking we absolutely need especially here in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. We need more snitching, more ratting on each other. That way the people who have been ratting on people for the since the beginning of the COVID thing on Facebook can, you know, set their uh, phasers on kill instead of sun, instead of sun, sun, stop saying the sun, can set their phasers on kill instead of stun you know take it uh real it's playing with live rounds when you get to go instead of snitching on people or kids all at the basketball court uh without masks or not social distancing now you can call the governor governor baker said today that they've set up a covid id safety violation phone number <laughs> for whistlers not rats at all not rats at all so a couple of things. One, I believe probably, even though we've gone either way on this, the people who are paid to know, people with lots of letters after the name who are paid to know, uh, have told us both things. I believe that probably the mask would, seems like it would make things safer. You don't, you don't have spittle coming out of your mouth onto people directly. That's probably makes sense. And I think it's probably, since we're all in on this, it's probably a good thing for everybody if... Everybody social distances and use their masks. But I also think rats are terrible in informants and tattletales. And I think that sucks. It degrades a society. It puts neighbor after neighbor. And what are we doing informing on each other? I mean, and there's this, there's this thing, and it mostly comes from the left now. There's this thing where, you know, I saw one media person said, this is, I talked to a psychologist, psychologist today about 
how to gently convince somebody to wear their mask. So in other words, how do I convince my stupid, fat Trump voter neighbor that this is not the government uh, trying to undermine him? This is for his own stupid-headed own good. How do I convince? It's so condescending. I'm sorry. I, I know that this is that we're in a pandemic, yada, yada, yada. I get it. I've seen enough of the things I know. that the, the cases are spiking down south. In a, the cases, we lost 8,000 people in Massachusetts. You lost 15,000 in New Jersey, and you lost 32,000 in New York. All right? So there's. A, I want a little caveat when, when I'm told that uh, by the people who know so much, elected leaders and their, their government experts, who know so much, who have happened to, unlike the, the governments in, where the cases are spiking, which are more hands-off, happen to have presided over the biggest losses of life in this pandemic so far. And also, it, it, like somebody who's going to snitch on you, there's something, just human nature, it, it's, it's a violation. It feels terrible. It it should. It's it's something that's innate. It's like when somebody cuts in line. It's bull bleep, right? It's just something. It's not freaking acceptable. But so Massachusetts has a snitch line. Let's see. This is the last snitch line. First snitch line we've had since the attorney general made a um, hotline for people to call up and turn in Trump voters who were going to try to hate crime him. Great case. It never, of course, it never happened. Here's it from Governor Baker. If folks believe that a business or employer is not observing the safety guidelines, we've set up a process for people in the public or employees to reach out and communicate that. Great. Investigations can result in enforcement measures if violations are discovered. Enforcement measures. Sounds fun, huh? Sorry, business. Just trying to get back on your feet. You know, the judo tool from down the street noticed that at one point you took your mask off to take a drink of Poland spring water. Now you owe us $1,000. I hate it. If an investigation is warranted, officials from DLS, I don't know, the Department of... Um, uh, I, don't, I don't know what it means. It's Government officials will reply within 72 hours, the website says. You know what we could do? You know what would be fun? Somebody has been collecting COVID and unemployment insurance fraudulently under my name and in Social Security now since March. We have gotten no help from the government. I wish instead of the informant hotline that maybe some resources could be transferred over there. It's not just me. It's tens of thousands of people in Massachusetts. It could be millions around the country for all I know. Next year, come tax time... Guess what the Commonwealth of Massachusetts is going to want some a piece of? That's right. The money that they gave me, in quotes. Jesus. Anyway, that's why it's good to escape sometimes. And somebody who just escaped from Massachusetts is Kerry J. Byrne. Kerry Byrne is a business guy. He's an entrepreneur. Started out in finance in his 20s. Then created this football website that got nationally known. Now he runs his own company. He's just a great guy, and he's a depth of knowledge, knows all sorts of stuff. He escaped from Massachusetts and now is in Hell's Kitchen, New York. So he went from Marty Walsh to Bill de Blasio, whatever that means. Maybe it's maybe escaped is the wrong <laughs> – maybe he was downgraded. But anyway, even with de Blasio, even with the, the crazy progressive politics, 
he's in Manhattan, which is probably the most exciting place on the face of the earth. Carrie Byrne. Okay, we are on with Carrie J. Byrne. Uh, he's an old friend of mine who spent a long time in Boston writing for the Boston Herald. He ran or runs Cold Hard Football Facts. You can find him on Twitter at Football Facts. He now runs the KJB Trending Hospitality uh, Company, and um, they do, um, let's see what they do. They uh, do brand enhancement for uh, chefs, restaurants, lifestyle, etc. He's a guy who's, uh, who's essentially ran Quincy, Massachusetts for uh, two decades, and now he's moved to Manhattan to run Manhattan, and he's an all-around great guy. Kerry, <laughs> <laughs> how you doing, man? Doing well, doing well. You know, I've already... I'm the only guy I know that the New York Post wrote about me moving here two weeks after I got here. Talking Saw about that. crazy people moving out. My first night here was the first night of the uh, of the uh, curfew, the first curfew in New York City since World War II. So my, I moved here. Then There was an 11 p.m. curfew. My second night here and that week was an 8 p.m. curfew. There was nowhere to go, nothing to do. And But I moved here in the midst of it. I want to be a part of the revival in New York. As you know, we've known each other a long time. Mm-hmm. I like to be ahead of trends, do cool stuff, and... Love New York City, so I'm here now and and just want to be a part of the whole scene as it comes back, Tom. And it's going to come back. This craziness that we're all dealing with is going to end. This mass hysteria we're dealing with is going to end, and I want to be here to, <laughs> which, to, to be a part of it. Which you know? wave? Yeah. Which wave of mass hysteria? The, the Trump was elected wave? The COVID wave? Or the unraveling cultural revolution wave? You know, it's all the same thing. So I want you and your listeners to Google this, Tom. Mass hysteria. I think the I think the actual psychological name. It's a real thing, and, and I'm not a scientist, but I read a lot of stuff. I think the real name is collective psychogenesis. All it means is a bunch mm. of people lose their bleeping minds all at the same time. And there's numerous examples throughout world history. Uh, the Spanish Inquisition, when people went out and killed the next door neighbors because they were Protestant. You know, uh, mm. Nazi Germany. Germany was the 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 height of 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 global intellectualism with, with philosophy and scientists and everything. And in the 1930s, they said, you know what? Let's kill all the freaking Jews. Let's put them in fucking cattle cows and kill them. That was mass hysteria. Uh, the Salem witch trials, which took place also in Europe. Hey, let's, these women are crazy. Let's try to drown them. And if they don't drown, they're witches and we'll kill them. The, this happens. You go through these phenomenons in human history of mass hysteria. And we are living through that right now, Tom, where reality doesn't matter like it's it's irrationality mm-hmm. it's psychosis it's people who have lost their minds no matter the issue and it's kind of when you when you look at things rationally and look at stats and numbers and data it's, it's a little frightening but it's also it's not it's also it's it happens humans right now are not being rational they're not thinking clearly oh no and we're living through it i completely agree with you and you you don't have to look any further than twitter to see some of the meltdowns people are having to know that this is a mental health problem, and I don't know if decades of taking, uh, you know, Adderall or whatever people take for for bipolar or whatever, I don't know if that is a big con- contributor. I don't know what it is, but I've never seen so much of it. And you're right. It, in Melrose, Massachusetts, you may have seen this. Melrose, Massachusetts, they um, they had one of those digital signs that says slow down or, you know, enjoy Thanksgiving, drive safely. In Melrose, yeah, all lives matter. Right, yeah. it said all Dude, lives matter. Check everybody. And I know a lot of those people who were just apoplectic and said this is disgusting and racist. The person who runs a yoga group I know there, and she's so nice, and on social media they just melted down, and it, it, it's as if there was a, a hate crime happened. 
Like using those three words and maybe just one of those words, but in that particular order now is now considered criminal. And it people get upset. And you had people going on there saying, people saying I live in Melrose yeah. for 50 years and I've dealt with um, racism every day. And it's like, that's not true. That That's... Yeah. It, yeah. I, well, but, the irony, Tom, is we, we live in the most diverse country in the world. And every day where I, where I grew up in Quincy... Uh, I had Chinese people around me. I, I spent, you know, Asian people everywhere. Every every day I went out, I dealt with people. My street had people from 12 different countries. Mm. People from England, people from Ireland, people from China, people from Vietnam, uh, black people, white people, Asian people. We all got along fine. And, and the reality is 99.9999999% of all human interactions, especially in this country, are peaceful and fine and everyone gets along and one-on-one is fine. But there's this psychosis, and I come back to that word, mm-hmm. where one thing happens and people lose their mind. Let's look, let's look at that, that guy, you know, Floyd in, in, in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Uh, terrible what happened to the guy. He was also a career criminal. He was loaded up on drugs. He, he shouldn't have died. The cops should be punished, and the cops are being punished. But they turned it into, oh, America is the most horrible place in the world, even though the reality is most of us get along fine. Most of us get along fine. These are very rare instances, and they make the exception the norm. Because right. of this psychosis, because of this lack of ration, they make the rare exception the the so the rare exception that poor black man and white people die at the hands of cops too. That poor black guy they make become the norm when it's not the norm. It's a rare right. exception, and somehow we've made the exceptions the norm in this society. It's media, it's social media, but it's also a lack of rationality. Uh, and I come back to this. If all black lives matter, if black lives matter, why aren't we doing something about the American inner city? And if you bring that up, you and I bring that up right now makes us racist. I am worried about the thousands and thousands and thousands of t- kids, mostly black, young black men, killed in American streets every day in the ghettos, in communities run for 60, 70 years by Democrats, the mm-hmm. same people over and over, and nobody does anything about it. Nobody does anything about it. Nobody cares. But one poor guy dies, and all of a sudden we're going to burn the whole country down because of uh, of uh, of a terrible tragedy. You're right. But that's it, not the norm. That's not the norm. The norm is we have these we the, the systemic racism in this country. You know there is systemic racism in this country, Tom. Mm-hmm. And who runs the system? The Democrats that have run Congress for about eighty of the last ninety years. Who have run the Senate for like 75 of the last 90 years, going back to when FDI was elected in 1933. The Democrats have run the White House for the majority of those years. The Democrats have run every American inner city, the broken inner city, Chicago, Detroit, Camden, whatever you want, for 60, 70, 80 years since World War II. They've run every American inner city. The system is run by the Democrats. The system that is the problem is a Democrat system. So if we're going to decry systemic racism let's go to the source of the system the systemic problem and it's democrats and you almost can't say that anymore but i'm saying it man i'm saying it they right. they are the source of systemic racism and we need to break the backs of the democrat party running the inner city they are the system they are the problem and i'm not i'm sick of feeling i've done not, i've never done anything wrong to anybody in my life i don't care what color you are i have friends from all walks of life i'm done feeling bad like making I'm, i never felt bad i'm not no one's gonna make me feel bad because I live a good, decent, hardworking life and have friends from all walks of life and do the right thing. The system is – I'm not part of the system. The system is run by a certain party that's 
takes advantage of minorities in this country, and we need to speak up about it, Tom. We need yeah. to speak up. Kerry, that's for, that's verboten what you're doing. You're not opting in to the Black Lives Matter ethos, remember? The, but, but, black li- but I really believe Black Lives Matter. I truly no, but Black Lives Matter, lives. Kerry. You're not opting in. Black Lives Matter. It's not that you, you're saying it. It's that the premise is that you previously didn't think it did. And if you did, then you would take every piece of their platform and adopt it yeah. as your own and champion it. Yeah. yeah. No, I want to see I want to see every minority child in this world have the same shot as everybody else, okay? And I came from nothing, man. I'm a, I was a born to a teenage single mother. Uh, was, was I lucky to be white? I don't know. I'm Irish. I'm Croatian. I'm Native American. Like three, you know, people who have been historically – you know, uh, not free. You know, Croatia discovered freedom 25 years ago. Ireland was run by, you know, oppressive English occupiers for 500 years. <laughs> uh, you know, and I'm part Native American. Like, so maybe I did by being white, culturally white, I might have had advantages. But you can succeed in this country. And the people causing the trouble are the people telling poor black kids, oh, you can't succeed. Mm-hmm. You can't. They're the, they're the problem. They're the problem. I'm not the problem. I want every child to succeed yeah. in this country, no matter what your race. And the people who don't are the people running the system, the Black Lives Matter people. They don't care about those lives. And it's I, all – they right. don't care, Tom. And I would say that even more culpable than that are people in rich in middle – upper middle class people, white people in, Mel, in Wellesley who glom on <laughs> because this is, a, this is a, a cultural fad and they're thrilled. Meanwhile, you have Minnesota and Minneapolis. By the way, Tom, let me interject real quick. Yeah. It's ironic that the people most upset about Black Lives Matter are the people who live in the whitest towns in America. Yes. Like was- these rich who, who would not dare move to Roxbury, but no, they'll no. live in Lexington, they'll live in Wellesley, they'll live in Cambridge. That's right. But they wouldn't dare, <laughs> they wouldn't dare let a black person move into their town. That's you know, right. and they're going to lecture the rest of us. But they've got a yard sign, Kerry. They have a yard sign, and one yeah. says Black Lives yeah. Matter, and one says, yeah. hey, there's no home here. So they're really good people. If you didn't know that, and they'll tell you on social media how good they are, by the way, and they all. I know, to... I know. Did and you see there was uh, there's a site out there called Turtle Boy Sports? Of I don't course, watch, I don't see it that much, but yes. he did something about uh, these rich white women having a Black Lives Matter rally at Hingham. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. How many? Yeah, why do they? They live in the one of the whitest towns in America. And by the way, Boston is the whitest big city in America too. Literally the whitest big city mm-hmm. in America. And all these people lecturing people in the rest of the country about how to live and about diversity if you believe in diversity move to louisiana move to mississippi those those <laughs> states are much more diverse than we are we just right. pretend we're diverse or, and if not maybe don't vote for a prop two and a half override every year and jack up yeah. you know property taxes so that nobody looking to get to you know take a, a yeah. ascension ascension step up could move into your city and enjoy it but you're, yeah. you're absolutely right about that. I mean, they'll come out of Louisburg Square, Louisburg Square in Beacon Hill, and they'll go to Boston Common, and they'll they, these white people will take a knee, and they'll do the black power thing, and they'll say anything you want them to say, and they'll pay, post it on Facebook. But after that, they're going back into Acorn Street in, in Louisburg yeah. Square. And yep, John Kelly's neighborhood. Yep. Exactly. Yep. And kids from uh, Mattapan, you ain't invited. Because if yep. you start hanging out yep. there, the, the, the cops will be called, and they will be expected to uh, exercise you very quickly. There's, it is, there was a poll out. I, I forget what I, I was writing a story about something a year or two ago. I might have still been with the Herald. But a survey of black Americans, and I don't know who, I don't know how many people they surveyed, but they said Boston was considered the most racist city in America by black people. 
And Atlanta was considered the most diverse and the most welcoming. And meanwhile, these boss, these people from Cambridge think they still think Atlanta, it's Atlanta from 1858. They don't realize <laughs> the world's moved on. They don't realize that, you, you know, you go. I remember going to Davios. Davios is a well-known restaurant in Boston. Steve J. Flipper runs a great restaurant. Uh, and I did a lot of work with them when I was writing for the Herald over the years. But you go to you go to any fancy restaurant in Boston. Everyone in there is white. I went to Davios in Atlanta and half the people in there were wealthy black people. Yeah. You don't see that in Boston. You no. don't see that in Boston. You just don't. You just don't. So I'm sick of these faux liberals, and they're not even liberals anymore. They're leftists, telling me how to think and how to feel when they're the frauds and they're the problem. They are the problem. Yes, and what's tragic is, and you, you were saying this essentially, is that you have neighborhoods in Minneapolis that were burned down, where the police precinct was burned down, where businesses were burned down, and business, businesses will never return there. There's no way you can have you know, a Walgreens build in a place where they police, uh, you know, abandoned and the police department was burned down and it's not safe anymore. And if you're a kid in that neighborhood with, you know, the schools suck and there's crime all over the place and, and you, you're have been raised by a single mother, you know, you could be a six year old kid and it, your life is almost determined to be terrible already. And all those, I use the white people from wealthy people. You want to help? You know, there's kids who are going to need help big time because the, yep. the, that, that is a tragedy. It's a tragedy what happens in these cities. It's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. And the left, the left doubles down and triples down and quadruples down on the same field policies over mm-hmm. and over. Uh, and who's suffering through all this? Who's suffering from like, so I'm in New York now. I'm in Hell's Kitchen. I'm in a, a pretty well-off neighborhood. Uh, there's no trouble here. Everything's fine. We're at the bars. Everyone's hanging out. I, we have people from all walks of life hanging out. Going to the, you know, you can't go inside, but we're out having a drink in the corner. I got friends from all walks of life here as I did in Boston. And we're fine. Where is all the violence going? Where is all the, where are all the, the rising, uh, you know, 500% increase or whatever the number is in gun, gun violence? It's not here in Hell's Kitchen where people probably have a couple bucks in their pocket. It's in the poor black neighborhoods, Tom. Who's right. suffering? Who's suffering from this defund the police insanity? Not me. You're right, and, and you look. Me, man. You look at the the upticks, a, a couple hundred percent increases in violent crime, in shootings in Philly, and in New York, and other cities. And we're going down to 1990s levels. We're going back to 1990s level violence. Pretty soon, we'll be in 1979 level violence if it continues like this. Yeah. And and you have progressive thought leaders like AOC saying, "Sure, there's been an uptick, an uptick, yeah. Carrie. Imagine that. It's just yeah, couple- we get it." And she's blaming it because people are hungry. They want First bread. of all, Tom, I, we got to stop calling them progressives. Mm-hmm. They have regressive policies. They're not progressive. And we got to stop calling them liberal. Liberals don't exist anymore. No. Liberalism is a belief in the sanctity of the individual amidst the power of the almighty state. And so-called liberals, that's not what they believe anymore. They're leftists. They believe in leftism. They believe in subjugating the individual to the power of the almighty state. They are not liberal. The only liberals left in the world is the American conservative. That's the only liberal left. We, we, the names have become flipped, but I want the individual to prosper and I want the state to be held in check. I am a liberal. I am more liberal than anyone who, any Democrat in America. Far more liberal. I believe in the dignity of the individual, and they don't. They believe in the power of the state. They want to subjugate us to the power of the state. They're, they're not liberal, Tom. We have to stop no. conceding these words. They're leftist. They're leftist. You're and right. they're not progressive. They're regressive. 
Their right. policies are regressive. You're right, and and, and unfortunately, it seeped into, uh, you know, I, I don't know if it's quite half the country yet, because the fact that Joe Biden at least won the nomination tells you that maybe somebody's not crazy uh, in, the, in some parts of the country who are Democrats, but all of the excitement and firepower is over this, over this, uh, you know, I, I guess it's a postmodernist, um, uh, anarchic, uh, culture. It's more Marxist, I guess, uh, and regressive, like you said, than anything. It's, it's definitely Marxist. It's fascist. Mm -hmm. Like, even that, when they try to, like, fascism, the, fascism was a leftist policy. The Nazis were the National Socialist Workers' Party in Germany. Mm -hmm. They were a left-wing group, and in, in modern education, they tried to make it sound like, oh, they're right-wing. Well, they, they were definitely uh, racist, but they, they, were, they were a leftist Group, they believed in subjugating the. They believed in the power of the state, and the subjugation of the individual. They were not a right wing hate group. They were a left wing hate group. They called themselves socialists. Right. The Socialist Workers Party. Is there anything more left wing than that? No, I think that it, obviously people just conflate it for political reasons, and also yep. maybe because they were fighting it out with some communists in the street and the the splinter. And they did, and they did, and you know, and and you know, I mean, the Nazis were so bad, we had to ally ourselves with the communists. You know what I mean? But, yeah. But but you know what? One of the big issues here, Tom, in my estimation, and Trump talked about it at the Mount Rushmore speech. I didn't hear the whole thing, but. This is the biggest issue we're facing today. If you didn't, hold on, Kerry. If you, if you didn't hear the whole yeah. thing, it was very dark and ominous. That's what you're supposed to take away from <laughs> it, by the way. What I read was very pro-American for all people. Right. He's talking and, about American heroes like Ella Fitzgerald and Frank Sinatra. And, you I know. know. It was a, he, mentioned, well, he mentioned 50 different you know, people of color who are heroes to the all-American all -American people, you know? Yes. But, uh, but here's, here's one thing he touched on, and I've been saying this for years. In 1979, Jimmy Carter created the Department of Education, okay? And he basically nationalized the American education system. And what happened is now to, to run a school department, you need to adhere to, to, to policies issued by bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. Either You can be in Boston. You can be in Washington, D.C. You can be in small-town Idaho. You can be in, in some, you know, uh, you know, Navajo reservation, and you don't get money for your schools unless you do what the fed, feds tell you. So we've nationalized education. We basically had education taken over by federal bureaucrats. And ever since then, we've seen this massive leftward move in our education. We now teach kids that America sucks. Well, you live in a heroic nation. You live in, without this nation, the world would still be living with slavery in every corner of the planet. We've done, this nation's not perfect, but no nation is. And we don't teach the heroism of this country, all the incredible stuff we've done for this world. We still do for this world. We teach kids that America sucks. Yes. So we now have two, we have two generations of kids growing up thinking America sucks. And we see it now in the way they vote, the way they act, the way they react. They have no concept of, of history. They have no, you know, they, they just don't understand. Uh, they have no comparative understanding of how the rest of the world works. They think we suck and, they're in, and we're the worst place ever. Right. And that, that's what it's come to. Right. And you go, things like the Columbus statue. Well, he was, uh, he opened the world to uh, colonialism and uh, murder and genocide. And that's it. That's as deep as they ever get. The entire story of Columbus is a very different and intricate and detailed story than that. The story of the Americans with the Native Americans, especially up in the Northeast, where we're from, is a different story than the Trail of Tears, which is his own different story. 
I mean, history is not simple. But, and you know who else had slavery in 1492? Everybody. Everybody, <laughs> including the Native Americans. Right. Like, there were Native tribes. And I'm part Micmac Indian. Like, I, I, I like a little part, but that's part of my heritage. That's how I grew up, okay? And I'm proud of that part of my heritage. Uh, there were never, the Native Americans, there were tribes that practiced cannibalism. Mm-hmm. There were tribes that practiced human sacrifice. They practiced slavery. They enslaved each other. When the pilgrims came here, the Wampanoags enlisted the aid of the pilgrims to go kill the Massachusetts Indians in 1621 in West Augusta and now Weymouth. Like, they they were – humans are not been good to each other, you no. know? And to make it a race thing constantly is part of the breakdown of this culture. Humans, unfortunately, have been bad to each other. And Christopher Columbus did nothing to change – everything he brought to the world was positive. Like slavery existed, he didn't bring slavery to the new world, mm-hmm. but he did. He did create. A, he did bring the world together. He 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 put in motion things that made the world a better place. Without him, there would be no Declaration of Independence. There'd be no Constitution. There'd be no representative government. Uh, was he a perfect guy? No. Did he do bad things? Yes. But you know who else did bad things? Everybody, including the natives. Yes, absolutely. If you read some of the details of King Philip's War, it was a savage. Horrific thing. The initial attack by the the in Native Americans was savage, but of course, this was not the beginning of the savagery. It was happening on, on both sides. Previous, but of course, it were, did. That's my point. Humans but, are bad to humans. Yes, we exactly. Yeah. That should be the consensus. So if we can, we'll start there. That we're a sucky animal, okay? And then we'll move out hey, from there. Tom, yeah. Tom, people forget. Seventy-five years ago, white Christian Europeans were still trying to bomb each other into oblivion. Yes. You know, this was just 75 years ago. It had nothing to do with race. It had to do with tribalism and ethnicity. And and the same things, you know, there is still genocide in Africa. Black people killing black people. Look at, you know, the the Civil War in Rwanda that happened and all Mm -hmm. these. And there was genocide in Europe 25 years ago. In right. the Balkans, you know, like it was white people killing white people. There's an act of... Humans are bad to each other. It sucks. But to make it about race is... Not helping anybody move forward. Right. It's not helping anybody. There's move an forward. active slave trade in Libya now, where we were leading from behind a few years ago when the when the nice president was in charge. Hey, there's something called there's something called Human Slavery Watch. I think it's a name, and there are still hundreds of thousands of slaves. They believe in India, a democracy, hmm. and they they practice widespread slavery in India. Uh, there are you know so these things still exist, and we've done a lot to as a nation to. To you know, like I said, Europe has. If Europe would still have slavery today, if not for the United States, North America would still have slavery today, if not for the United States. Thomas Jefferson banned the import of slaves in 1807. Yes. Okay. Yeah, he owned slaves, but he also banned the import. He realized it was bad. He was a product of his time. He realized it was bad. He banned the import of slavery before any other country in Europe. I do think he. I, laid, mean, I think, do think yeah, that is true. As president, he did that. I think later he went a little sideways, <laughs> took a step back though. Um, no, he did, but 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 also that's how humans like they. You know, and I'm yes. not defending it, but yep. it existed. That's how right. people didn't know any better. And that's and why we created people the system to end it. And people think that they're so smart when they say, you know, it said all men are created equal, but he owned slaves, and it was a slave-holding country back then. They weren't stupid back then. They knew what that meant in there. They knew it was, it was hypocrisy. Some of the framers of the Constitution argued and yelled at, had arguments about that very line, saying, what are we doing here, man? We're saying all men are created equal. Meanwhile, there's human beings as property waiting for us outside to drive us home. But they set an expectation (laughs) that 
we may feel to live up to it ourselves, and we all feel to live up to it, all right, like we're all flawed human beings, right? But they set a standard so high that we've actually, as a, as a species, have aspired to those words for 244 years now, whatever yes. it's been. Like they, they set, a, you know, and you got to keep in mind, there were no representative governments in the world in 1776. There were none. There were none. Everyone right. was ruled by kings and tyrants and hereditary rulers. What they did was so revolutionary and moved mankind so far forward, and we don't teach it anymore, Tom. We don't teach them. No. We teach them that they were terrible people, and they weren't. They were, they were the greatest collection of intellectual talent in the history mm-hmm. of the world. And it just baffles me that people don't understand that anymore. It's, yeah, you're right. I understand they were flawed. I understand they were flawed. They yes. were imperfect. But, but, but having that line in there, all men are created equal, was a poison pill for – the slave trade. Maybe they didn't know it at the time. Of course it was. Yeah. But yes, absolutely. And also, if you just look at the revolution itself with Washington, an impossible war to win. That was absurd that him, he with that army, you know, with early defeats and retreating and running all around the Northeast away from the British and, and camping and getting sick, it was absurd that that guy would win. And anybody who's a sports fan or likes competition, etc., should look at how uh, that guy with those troops – Beat the greatest army on the on the earth, and it's John. Just- let me tie it into today's current events, okay? With the coronavirus, the yeah. Rona, as I call it, okay? We so we fought the American Revolution. People don't know this. In the midst of one of the worst smallpox epidemics in mankind's history, John Adams wrote that smallpox killed ten times as many troops as the British did. Hmm. Okay, smallpox was the deadliest scourge in the history of mankind. Killed hundreds of millions of people throughout history. Uh and it had a 30% fatality rate. A Jesus. 30% fatality Jesus. rate, okay? And uh, and if the people who survived, George Washington survived smallpox as a kid, but he had, he had uh, scars all over his face. If you survived, you had scars. In hmm. 1764, right before he got married, John Adams did something very, very not acceptable at the time. He had himself inoculated from smallpox, a very primitive form of vaccine. What they did is, they opened the pussy wounds of a, of a smallpox victim, soaked a little piece of thread in it, and it planted it in John Adams' arm. He said, you know what? Instead of risking a 30% chance of dying from smallpox, uh, and I think, the, I think the inoculation death rate was 2%, which is 100 times deadlier than coronavirus today, okay? Right. Just the inoculation itself. John Adams, he wrote about it. He was deathly sick for two weeks. He survived. He had everything you would associate. You can Google it. Google John Adams smallpox inoculation. Deathly sick, but he survived uh, and went on to actually, because of his experience, because of George Washington's experience, they actually inoculated all the American troops in Valley Forge in 1777-1778. And it was very controversial because you were introducing a deadly disease to your body. Okay, but he, they saved the they saved the American army at Valley Forge because of this experience. And again, the inoculation alone was 200 times deadlier than the actual virus we have today with everyone freaking out like they're going to drop dead. You're going to be fine, people. You're going to live. There's like a one in a hundred thousand chance that you're going to die of this stuff. Don't freak out. Don't freak out. There was so much people just braver. They were tougher. They yeah. had so much better Jeez. perspective on the world, you know. And we literally beat the British and beat the deadliest pandemic in human history at the same time. Yeah. And now we're afraid of our own shadows as a society. And, and that is, you, know, you read so much about people saying, you know, we're, we're cooped up in the stress. It's, it's, 
it's bringing us is just so it's so much and this and that. And you know, I have four kids, so they're at home now. Luckily, they can play yeah. with each other. But, and we've broken some rules here and there. But it's like, shut up. We live in America, and we're stuck in our yards and our houses where we're all yeah. fat anyway. Here, we've got everything. You know, this isn't like we're not in the. It's um, not the, fat, Tom. I call it double extra sexy. Yes, double, double extra. I'm quadruple extra <laughs> sexy at this point. But we're. It's not as if we're hiding in the in the tube in London as the Germans are bombing the hell out of us. I know. You know I know. We're, I know. We're just watching know, Netflix for freak's sake. I know, but you know, we just we've lost perspective as a society. And you know what? The virus sucks. But you know what? Mm-hmm. I have nothing to do with it. I didn't create it. You got to deal with it, people. You got to deal with it. It's part of the human condition. Viruses try to kill people. That's what they do. And to think we're going to shut down the whole world and save humanity. Carry so, Tom, the global, there, there are virus. You know how many viruses out there right now are deadlier than coronavirus? Oh, it lost Look up something. Google something called rotavirus. Rotavirus kills a couple hundred thousand babies every year. Oof. But they're most. Poor black babies from Africa, so nobody nobody cares. Right. Rotavirus is a horrible yeah. virus. It kills children, hundreds of thousands every year. Nobody cares. It's not in the news. So you'd have, you by know, the way, th- AIDS this year. Is- What's that? No, no, I was just going to get to AIDS in Africa. What's that, Tom? No, I was going to get to AIDS in Africa saying, you know, it, not only has that killed millions, but if it weren't for a certain unnamed war criminal, it would have killed probably hundreds of millions more. Yeah, yeah. You so, know, it just n- nobody there is will... bad stuff out there. And I... what's that? Just for listeners, I'm talking about George W. Bush, who made an initiative to go into Africa and uh, treat people for AIDS and saved generations of Africans. But you never heard about it. He the... did. You know, what's his face? Bono from U2 came out and praised too much criticism. Remember, Bono came out and praised George Bush for his efforts to yes. end AIDS in Africa. And was widely criticized for praising George Bush. But it all comes back to your your original question, Tom. We're in the midst of some sort of psychosis where people can't be rational; they can't think straight. And it's it. I think it's going to pass. I think it's a phase of human history. But it's kind of frightening when you like. I can tell someone you're not going to die of coronavirus. Here's the numbers. Here's the stats. You're going to be fine if you get it. There's a very limited chance of you dying. This mm-hmm. is the numbers. These are the stats. These are the facts. And people are afraid to walk near other human beings. It's insane. It is insane. It's, well, it's, in, you look at states like New York, who've lost 32 million people. You've got, you've got Cuomo castigating the president of having screwed this thing up and, and uh, you know, casting aspersions on Florida and Arkansas and these, uh, not Arkansas, Florida and uh, Arizona and, and yeah. saying, you know, they were, look, they didn't wear the mask. They, let, they returned too early, this and that, this and that. It's like, hey, man. They wiped out 32. They wiped out maybe everybody who could have been wiped out by coronavirus on your watch. You know, I've 10 seen... times as many. Florida has 50% more of the population of New York, okay? Yep. I think it's 30 million versus 20 million. It has one tenth the number of people have died. Right. And Cuomo was lecturing Florida and, and people appraising, oh, Cuomo, you know, like the three states, and we live in one of them. New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts account for 8% of the national population and almost half of the deaths from this virus. And right. they are lecturing other states on how to handle this? Unbelievable. And that's uh, that's what I worry about, Kerry, because the media, of course, is happy to propagandize in their favor. And I just yeah. hope that somehow, somewhere, people are getting information and news from other sources and we don't know about it. Because if not, we are screwed. Yeah. Well, you know, there is, you know, we, we, we hope there's a silent majority out there, but 
the problem is like i know if you know we'll post this you know podcast wherever i know i'm gonna get shit for it you know like and i'm just speaking my mind because the problem is the left in this country thinks everyone agrees with them and they're and they just they have no fear no qualms of putting their position out there whereas i can i can be the president the hispanic ceo of goya foods one of the great minority owned companies in america and if i say something praising trump all of a sudden, my business is going to get crucified. Can you imagine? That's how irrational they are. They're so irrational. So we've been almost silenced. And there comes a point, uh, Tom, where we can't be silenced anymore. We have to – and there's a lot more people who think like us. I think the majority thinks like us. And we have to stop being afraid of the mob. Totally. It's a mob. It's an irrational mob. And we have to stop being afraid of what they what they say. Totally. You know, we do. And it's just where we're at. But – you know, like I'm worried, like I'm down here in New York now. I'm looking for new clients. I'm looking for new work, and I kind of hold my fire because is some potential client gonna like like a right a conservative person wouldn't do that. If someone you disagree with someone, you think, hey, whatever, I disagree with them, right? Of course. You don't try to destroy their business and their life. <laughs> no. <laughs> the left does though. They want to destroy. Like they you they if you don't if you don't agree with totally. them, they want to destroy you now. It's, totally. it's completely lost their mind. Totally. We have a neighbor who's a big Trump person, and their next door neighbor said to them, "Hey, I'm not going to be friends with the Joneses anymore. I don't want to. I'm not interested in anything they say because they're Trump voters." He was talking to a Trump voter, not knowing. But that's exactly. How it is. They don't understand. They think they're. They think everyone agrees with them. They don't realize. And it's yeah, it's absolutely yeah. crazy, Carrie. Before we let you no go here, before we let you go here, um, something that you were on the uh, Washington football team. Has no name yep. anymore, Kerry. <laughs> and I guess yep. it's funny, because I remember you wrote a great piece in this, but today I just Googled it quickly, and I found an NPR piece on this written in 2013, and they said that the Redskins were named after an Indian tribe who painted themselves red. And they said another, uh, that was that's one you know variation of the, story, of, of the theory. And the other uh, theory was it was a name that Indians used, uh, American Indians used among themselves to differentiate, differentiate themselves with each other. Tom... I did more research on this than any reporter in America, and I wrote a, like a 5,000-word piece about it about five years ago. And I rewrote the piece on my website, kerryburn.com. I haven't published it yet this morning, okay? Uh, it's actually so – It's here's a real story. It involves the Boston Red Sox. Yes. It's a Boston story, okay? Uh, the Do you got five minutes? Yeah, 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 please. Okay. So the guy in the Redskins logo is actually an individual Lenny Lenape Indian named Tamanand better known as Tammany. Remember when you studied in, in school, Tammany Hall from New York, Lost yes. Tweed? Tammany Hall was named after Tammany. He was, he was called the patron saint of America. He was, a, he was an, uh, a friend and confidant of William Penn, the great Quaker who founded Pennsylvania. Uh, and he was, he was beloved by early Americans, by colonial Americans, especially in the Mid-Atlantic. They used to have King Tammany Day on May 1st, Tom. They would celebrate the patron saint of America, King Tammany. So fast forward to 1912, a guy from Tammany Hall in New York bought the Boston Braves baseball team, okay? They were called the Boston Rustlers, and he changed the name to the Braves and created as a logo an image of King Tammany, the patron saint of America, this Lenny Lenape Indian. And that's how the Boston Braves, now the Atlanta Braves, so fast forward to 1932, the NFL comes to Boston. George Preston Marshall comes to Boston and creates what they did at the time. The football team named themselves after the baseball team. So the Washington, the Boston Braves came from the NFL, played in Braves Field, which is now at B, the Boston University at Boston University campus. 
And George Preston Marshall named his team after the baseball team, used the same logo, the same image of Tammany, King Tammany, the patron saint of America, venerated as, as one of the great people in American history. And that's by the same fathers. image we see now. That's the image we see now. It's actually it's, a particular Indian, a Lenny Lenape Indian. And what happened is, and so that was one year they played at Braves Field. In 1933, George Preston Marshall moved the team to Fenway Park. So the Boston Braves left Braves Field where the baseball, National League Baseball Braves played, and moved to Fenway Park where the American League Red Sox played. So he kept the same logo, the same everything, but he couldn't call them the Braves anymore. So instead of Red Sox, he called them Redskins. <laughs> That's how it came about. <laughs> but the image is King Tammany. Google King Tammany. If John Adams wrote about Tammany, uh, Tammany, King Tammany Day during the Continental Congress, George Washington wrote about the American soldiers celebrating King Tammany Day at Valley Forge and a day of mirth and, and, and joviality uh, in the middle of the, you know, the, the, the crisis at Valley Forge. Uh, he was a beloved figure in American history, and no one knows this anymore. But that image, we are erasing Native American history right before our very eyes. But that Indian, that logo... Is King Tammany. I'm going to publish it on KerryBurn.com later. Oh, that's today. great! It's an amazing story. It involves. It took. It was created here in Boston. It was, they were named after the Red Sox. That's really all it was. <laughs> that's really all it was. Red Sox, Redskins. It sounded sounded good. They kept the same logo, and the logo is King Tammany. Well, you know what's interesting too is the logo. It's a great looking guy. I mean, he's strong. It's a. It's a. I mean, it's a. It's a really strong, great logo. So I uncovered a painting of Tammany from like the 1800s and he looks the same as the painting the logo it mm. actually the painting i saw is more of a caricature than the lo the redskins logo is a very prestigious looking man right he looks muscular he looks tough he, you know he looks very dignified uh i mean it's not i don't know i mean like i said i'm part mcmack indian i rooted for the redskins my whole life because i was native american huh. they did a survey years ago nine out of ten native americans in virginia root for the redskins and love the nickname <laughs> You know, like they don't. Nobody. It's just. It's a. Once it's a again, rich white person thing. Yes. It's once again. It's upper class people in Wellesley who have the problem. But I'm telling you, we th this story should be known. Like we should know yeah. who this native is. The fact that a Native American, known as a patron saint of America, represents the national team in the national nation's capital, should be celebrated. It should yeah. be celebrated. It shouldn't I, be erased from history. And nobody's gonna know. Nobody's gonna know anymore. And you know what? Shame on the Redskins for not stepping up and telling a story. And shame on the NFL for not holding this up as a symbol of American multiculturalism. Yeah. I love multiculturalism. I celebrate multiculturalism, which is why I celebrate that Redskins logo. Uh, nobody's taught anymore that a Native American was considered the patron saint of the nation. The patron saint of the nation. Yeah. Nobody cares anymore. We're going to wipe it from history. Yeah, we are at a record level of stupid right now, and that sucks. Yeah. Hey, I saw you on the podcast where you said that, yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. The, hey, um, you, we had talked at the beginning about what you're doing there in New York, and we were going to bring something back up. Um, uh, like, uh, are you going out and walking around or something? Did we? Oh yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm a couple blocks from Times Square. It's uh, as usual. It's not as bad as the media makes it sound. Uh, there's people on the streets, people mm -hmm. going out. All the restaurants have built platforms out on the avenue. It's like I went out to dinner on the Upper East Side the other night with a friend, and uh, uh. We were sitting right on Second Avenue with buses going by at forty miles an hour. It didn't feel <laughs> safe, but but people are out, people are eating, people are on the streets. There's no tourists. It's not normal. Times Square is shut down, yeah. and the police stations have barricades around them. Unfortunately, great. Uh, but 
the day to day, like it's not, it's not normal New York. It's not the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not the celebration of humanity with people mm-hmm. from all over the world walking the streets, but it's not, it's not a ghost town. It's not as bad as it looks in the media. I'm, I was a block or two from the riots and, even then, New York's so big, you could be one block away and not even notice it. So my experience has been, all things considered, pretty, pretty, you know, pretty good. Good. You know? So, good. Uh, but it's not normal, and I want to be a part of the revival. And I, I've written about it. If you go to my Facebook page or, or whatever, I wrote about it for one of the local New York magazines about being here as part of the revival. And uh, like I said, everything looks worse on TV, right? <laughs> everything looks worse on TV. Oh so it's yeah. Not, it's not normal, but it's not that bad, and I'm. I want to be a part of it. I like not to use a cliche, but if if my theory coming here, Tom, was if New York screwed, the whole country screwed. Yeah, you I, know, and Manhattan alone. I've been looking this stuff up. It's the world's twenty-first largest economy. Just the island of Manhattan. Right. Think about that. The island of Manhattan, twelve by two miles, is the world's twenty-first largest economy. The per capita GDP of this island. It's $370,000 per person. <laughs> Triple that of Qatar, which is the richest nation on earth. Okay? So if New York's screwed, then it doesn't matter where you live. We're all, we're all bleeped. So yeah, no, absolutely. Coming. Yeah, that's- no, it's a large, definitely, it's a huge, large economy. Unfortunately, you've got the, one of the largest jackasses in history as the mayor. <laughs> the biggest jackass. <laughs> and you know what? Nobody I met here, and I got friends now from all, I have yeah. a whole new crew here. Uh, uh, Go to this great magazine called West 42nd. Google it. I have a story there about moving to New York in the time of pandemic and, and crisis and riots and all that. Uh, but everyone I've met here, and being in New York, it's lean, It's like being in Cambridge. It leans very left. Of course. Everyone here thinks De Blasio is a leaping moron. <laughs> Everybody thinks he's a moron. Even even the biggest moonbat friends I have think he's a moron. <laughs> you, you know, like these, these, these useless... Uh, symbolic gestures like painting Black Lives Matter in front of Trump Tower yes. while kids are getting shot dead in the streets. Can you imagine? Like, you can't be dumber. You cannot be it's, a bigger bleeping more. In their world, symbolism is is worth more than reality. Reality's tough. You don't want to have to deal with all that stuff. All right, he is Kerry Classic Burns. example. Go ahead. Classic Kerry. example of them being irrational. Yeah. Being totally irrational, you know? He is Kerry Byrne. You can go to his website and get his social media there, kerryburn.com, K-E-R-R-Y-B-Y-R-N-E.com. He is um, Football Facts on Twitter, and all his other social media is over there. There's some great posts as well. Kerry, KJB Trending Hospitality is his business. Kerry, thank you, my friend. Tom, you're the best. Thanks, brother. Talk (laughs) to you soon. Hope you enjoyed Kerry Byrne. Please follow me on Twitter at Tom Shattuck. Please leave a five-star review and a rating if you can. And we're on all of the platforms, if you don't mind. If you don't want to, don't do not do it. I'll survive either way, I think. So, all right, I appreciate it. See you all later. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.